you greet and meet better than anyone, so that's awesome. And I'm, I'm still struggling, but let's go to the little book of Ruth. We're not going to study the book of Ruth, but what I'm looking for today um, is, is such... The last several weeks we've been together, we've actually talked about um, discovering and enacting or doing the basics, if you will, with God's will. I mean, there was... A, some of these you weren't here, obviously you're not responsible, but for the rest of you, it's a little bit of a pop quiz and you will be graded and you will actually receive... No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but do you remember, um, as we were studying through the scriptures, that God's will is not secret. It is not secret at all. It's something that he wants you to know, he wants you to be engaged in, and he wants literally for us to have our heart's desire. The key is, is what condition is our heart in? And so, do you guys remember any of the seven? Or all seven, if we're really good? That's right. Our first thing is to really find Jesus Christ, to have a relationship, a personal relationship with him, engaging in, and being renewed from a work from within. Uh, in fact, I'll just jot these down again. And this is a bit of a review. And I'm also stalling a little bit. I'm just going to be really honest because I'm an honest guy. Because we still don't really know what we're going to read today. And you say, really? No, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, be, get sa- I'm sorry. Get saved. Absolutely. This, that's first and foremost. Get a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what God wants for you. That's really his desire. Number two, do you remember what that one was? Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, then the Spirit dwells within you. But it's a continual filling that he is. And that's really as you become closer and closer to, to, to the Spirit, closer to the Lord God, you become filled to the brim and literally just overpour in the sense of what can happen. Uh, number three. What? what? Oh, be filled with filling. Yeah, that's great. Now, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. I've already shared that with you. But it, now, those of you that, are, that are, are, are here a lot know that I cannot write and talk or think at the same time. Now, what I just noticed is that's what's just, just what I tried to do. So we'll not do that. We'll, we'll erase that. At least, at least you were so kind and were laughing to tell me I, was, I knew something was wrong. Be filled with the Spirit. All right. Uh, number three, yeah, sanctified, and, and that's a big word that we don't use very much. If you were downtown in uh, Sheridan, and I'm trying to write and think, it's scary. Sanctified, what does it mean? Sanctified. To set apart, literally to be set apart for God's purposes. And, and that is something that is done by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. As you're being filled with him, literally you become set apart just a little bit. It's like moving from sin to holiness, if you will. Those are big words, but it's through that course, that process of sanctification. And that's very important. That, that, was, that was in God's word, really. Uh, almost moment by moment some days, isn't it? Yeah. What's, a, what's another one? Submissive. Submissive. That's another word that we don't use a lot of today, do we? Submissive. Now, and and concept, the first and foremost is the sense of being submissive to God, to submit to God. Okay? And then we talked about families. We talked about government. We talked about a lot of things of which a, a, a Christian that is in God's will will be submissive in many situations. Number five. Suffering. Yeah, that one's wild, isn't it? Who, who, get, who gets up in the morning and wants to suffer? Well, I'll tell you right now that God's word said that if you really are desirous to being used of God and to be his disciple, his follower, his servant, a Christian, if you will, suffering will come to you. 
You don't look for it, it comes to you. And actually, there's a lot of, I know I use this example maybe too much, but as, as you would have a precious metal, and as you're, as you're taking it out of the ground, it doesn't come to look like a pretty piece of silver or gold. It must be refined. And in our lives, it's the same way. Just because you've trusted Jesus Christ, sometimes the heat has to be turned up, and then it's easier to get the impurities off. It just skims off the top, and guess what? God is honored. He is glorified through all of that. And suffering's not fun, but it makes us better. Now, I remember one guy telling me, we were going through uh, our family many years ago, we were going through some financial stuff. It was crazy. And I remember him sitting there, and he said, Larry, he's a good, great, great friend of mine. He's actually passed on. I went to, to be with the Lord now. But he said, Larry, uh, tough times will make you bitter or they'll make you better and it's your choice and i still remember i was just sitting across the desk from him and it was such good counsel it was so good suffering and number six is that it oh was six did i tell you there were seven see i was a trick wasn't it it was six wasn't there yeah and the last one is thankfulness thankfulness okay now, these are all things that are very clearly, and they're not disguised. You find them in God's Word, and we spent that on several weeks. And these are things that literally, this is God's will for you. And when you are in that, if, if you are engaged in those things, guess what? He goes and says, whatever the desire of your heart is, he will do it. And you say, whoa, that's an open... No, if you're in that frame of mind, that's exactly where God wants your mind to be. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's wonderful. So that's what I was thinking about, and I had no place really to go, and that's always something that's difficult. Where does God want us to go next? And this word just kept coming to me it's just over, it's all day long today. It's just like, God, where do you want us to go? What do you want me to do? What, what is it you really want? And I'm just thinking about a lot of things. And this one concept, this one term just keeps coming. And it seems as such, in fact, I was Googling this. What is the number one problem in the church? I just Googled that. I don't know why I just did it. It's number one problem. Now, a lot of, if, if, you, if you would take, what's the age, uh, the generation probably like from, what do they call it, from like 20 to 30, just say. Is that generation? <laughs> okay, did not hear that. Okay. The millennials? Okay, let's just say it's millennials. <laughs> Woo, okay, millennials. And by the way, they're, they're challenged because, no, it's, it's interesting that the number one problem for most of that younger group of people, now think of this, these are when they're just finding their way. They're, on, they're, they're trying to go through the fog of what society has set up of a, of a course of a pattern of life. And I'll tell you what, it's really messed up. In fact, I'm going to go with what Josh had said. Not, they may be idiots. We're super idiots then because we've passed on to them a, a really disjointed, unknown course of life that they just say, you guys have no idea what you're doing, and we don't either. It's really true, isn't it? It's really, really true. And you know what? If you, if you pose that group as what is the number one problem facing the world today, are you ready? Climate change. Worldwide, that is the number one thing that young people are most concerned about. Isn't that crazy? It's sad. It truly, truly, that's, that's a great way to say it. It's sad. We've totally become unfocused to things that we can change or do things about. I would much rather have those people that are so concerned about climate change to get much more excited about finding Jesus Christ. 
because then things can change. <laughs> they can really change from the inside out. But I, would, I, I Googled it. Number one problem in the church. It was, it, it was a common theme. And again, I'm not saying I did a whole lot of work on it. It was this morning. It was fairly early. But, but the results of that, most of the case were that it was the sense of lack of attendance. Churches in America, and it was, it was kind of, it, I didn't go worldwide. It was, it was America. Number one problem with churches in America. And, and then they say that attendance is declining. That's the number one problem. Now, that might be a symptom, but that's not a problem. That doesn't describe it. That's an unfolding of what's taken place. And, you know, I'm just sitting there. I'm thinking, man, what is going on here? Where do you want me today? Where do you want me? What do you want us to do? What do you, what do, what do we, what do you want to hear people hear today? What do you want them to hear? And I'm, I'm looking at this even. You know, how do you do that? How do you get those things in your life? And this word just keeps popping up. The, this word said, you know, and when we're not doing that, I look at a nation today that is so messed up, a world that is so messed up. Right? I mean, you guys just say, it is. What, what's, what, what's, what's, what's went wrong? I think we're going to go to Revelation. It just hit me right now. Let's just go to Revelation chapter 3. Because what I'm looking for, I'm looking for circumstance. I'm looking for people. I was thinking of, first of all, going to Esther. I was going to go to Ruth. But I think we're going to go to Revelation chapter 3 because it's probably depictive of the time frame in which we find ourselves. Particularly in the church, shall we say. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. But before we do that, no, let's, that's okay. Let's read it. And then we, gotta, we need to pray. We need to just let God have this time. I got a little bit carried away in my introduction. Revelation chapter 3. And I would like to read the, church, the message to the church of Laodicea beginning in verse 14. And, and it's, it would be the last letter. It's Jesus' words. And it's, it's a message, if you will, from Jesus to a church. Let's read it now. Verse 14 of chapter 3. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold. And yeah, these are Jesus' words. Buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I have overcome, even set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I would just point out before we pray. Verse 20, it's very interesting. Now, this is Jesus speaking to the church. And did you see on which side of the door he was on? He was on the outside knocking to come into the church. That's what is going on. But before we go any further, let's just pray. Father God, thank you for the time that we have these moments here now. And Father, we would just ask for you to have your will and way with us. We're here to learn, to worship, to glorify you. And Father, open our hearts, our minds, give us food and nourishment from the word. We would pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We would ask that our mind, we, we 
Father, we ask that you would take our minds, our hearts, everything that we are, and conform them to the image of your Son. Father, we lift you up on high. We ask now for blessings upon these moments as we become more in tune with what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I look at that, and, and that's interesting. There, now, it's not a discourse on this church because, it's, it, to me, it's, this is just it's one place we could say this word had been lost. We had lost, and the word is what I'm looking for, a principle. I'm looking for something that's overarching, that literally has grasped our world today, and it has taken it and th- thrust us into the point of almost a dismal failure. And you're trying to figure out what that word is. And that's the course of what, who I am. I just like that because when you're, when you're questioning and you're inquisitive, you're ready to really dig in. Evil comes to my mind. Excuse me? Evil. evil. And, and you can see that in this case, in the church of Laodicea, it, evil is present in the fact that he didn't even recognize it. Did you notice? Did you notice that? They thought they were rich. They thought they were good. They were in good shape. And he called them, one of the things that he's really called them out is the sense he did not appreciate the fact of their lukewarmness. How many of you wake up in the morning and want lukewarm coffee? You want lukewarm water. You want lukewarm, did you see where I'm going with that? No one wants lukewarm anything. And if there's someone in here that likes it that way, you're weird. (laughs) You want hot coffee and you want ice water, right? It's one or the other. Just get it over. And, you know, that's what Jesus said. I wish, I wish you could just, just be one or the other. I'd be better. At least they could tell you what you should be doing. And he said, you're just, you're just, blah. We would call that state probably just apathetic. Just don't care. Does that kind of address some things? Who cares? Whatever, right? <laughs> I catch myself saying, whatever. You know, just... Right? Do you see it? And that's, that classifies what's going on in our nation today, in a whole world. And Jesus said, I just wish that you were, and I just about let it out of there, but I didn't. Well, committed or focused. What do you think about those two words? On fire. Believers? Believers, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, no, let's keep talking. I don't want to give it away too early. <laughs> what would you say? I'm going to, let's, let's, let's pose the question to you guys. I would say it all gets a little overwhelming somehow. Okay. Um, okay. Let, let, let's, let's unpack that for a little bit. By the way, overwhelming. I think that's a lot of our younger people's generation. In fact, the state of Montana, many of you may already know this. It's the number one for suicide in the nation, in this state of which we reside and call home. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So it has nothing to do with beauty. You're, you're not committing suicide in Montana because it's ugly. North Dakota? I could believe that. So it's not that, is it? Overwhelming. I, I actually like that word. And it's not the one I'm looking for, but at the same time, it, it really drives us to the fact, just, just think of the overwhelming that maybe Ryan is even thinking about. You all probably have a cell phone. If you're really going somewhere, you have a smartphone. Now, in my hands, it's not, but it could be. And then you, you probably tweet. Good. This is not a tweeting crowd, okay? We're not Yeah. So we don't tweet. Exactly. You text. So I'm really starting to love texting. 
But back to, you have computers, you have iPads. All of these things, now all of them save you time, and it, right? That's what they tell you. Makes you more efficient. No, it makes you over more overwhelmed. In fact, I won't take emails on my iPhone. I won't do it because I'm already overwhelmed with phone calls and texts. I probably get between 100 and 150 phone calls a day. <laughs> so can you imagine emails coming? And by they do, well, they do, I just won't pay any attention to them. Because if I try, do you, do you see what we're saying? Our lives have become so amazingly overwhelmed, we can't keep it up. Correct? So what's suffering as a result of this, having all of this knowledge? In fact, someone said, I just read it today, the amount of, uh, what should I say? Information, I think that was the, word. the amount of information that we have on the internet, if it was in printed form, would be from the Earth to Pluto 10 times. Should we be overwhelmed? Yes, we should. And we have to sort some of that stuff out, don't we? And that's where I really think one of the major problems is of what this word that I'm looking for, that the church of Laodicea had really lost their vision. They had lost their way. They no longer even knew what they were. In the United States of America, probably, I'm going to say 30 to 40 years ago, there was a battle that took place that literally was lost because I see it now in political circles. I see it within churches. I see it within almost everyone, and that is there's nothing that we can really ascertain as being absolute truth. And when you do not have a people that know what absolute truth is, you have no way of getting anything other than overwhelmed. There's so many people out there uh, putting out so much information. The overload, the information overload is so easy to be deceived, too. Absolutely. Because, well, by the way, you all know this. If it's on the Internet, it's true. No. 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 <laughs> No, a thousand times no. In fact, a lot of times I've got to do research what I read on the internet to make sure that it's right. And I'm not talking, I'm just talking about facts. That's supposedly just a fact. You don't know that. And Ryan's exactly right. But you, you see, we're starting to get some symptoms of what's going on. So now I'm going to ask, what would you say would be the problem? And I'm not going to just say number one problem, but what is the biggest problem that we have facing us? And let's just, let's make it personal. Let's make it right here. Sheridan, Montana, Twin Bridges, this, this area in which we call home that is flat, beautiful. And I can say that because I grew up in North Dakota. This is beautiful. I remember we first moved to Livingston. Have you ever been to Paradise Valley? You, yeah, I know. Okay, that is an absolutely gorgeous valley. It really is. That's where we moved first from North Dakota. It's really not a fair transition because I fell down, tripped over stuff that really wasn't because I could not take my eyes off of the mountains. Those Absarokas are absolutely spectacular. If there's anything close to the Swiss Alps, it's there. And I'd fall down so many times, bloody, you know, trip over a ditch, trip over a rock. And I just couldn't take my eyes off them. We went, you know, just went traipsing in the hills. Absolutely adored it, loved it. It was wonderful. And now I've got to get back to where I was going. What was I talking about? Um, okay. Biggest problem. Yeah, that's what we're going to get back to. So given that, right here in the area in which we find ourselves we call home, what would you say... Is there a number one problem? Or a problem? Let's just start making a list. Anybody got one? Self-reliance. Self I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to maybe just take Ryan, let's just say overwhelmed. And we talked about that. that we, we unpacked that uh, very much so. Okay. Overwhelmed. 
too much. All I'm going to just say overload. How's that? And then, uh, Ernie, you said self-reliant? Sounds like a lot of stuff, right? And there, those kids have grown up and having kids, and you're not even teach them about God because they don't believe it. So it magnifies, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really a symptom of, of uh, indoctrination. We really are on a course of indoctrination. And you know what? I'm going to come back. I'm going to say it several times because I just can't stand not to say it. And the reason being that we're being indoctrinated and these things are happening in our society is we don't have anything that's, that's viewed as this is truth. So it, it's, it's just like the gold standard. Or, for instance, uh, Paul's, not, you know, my front row, I'm missing them. That's why I'm so, I'm so in your face because the front row isn't here. Normally I'm in their face, but now I'm in your face. Okay, but if you're a teller at a bank, they don't have you mess with fake money. You just deal with the real stuff. And then when something, that counterfeit bill comes across, boom, that's wrong. That's different. See, that's the same thing. That's why the Bible in your, in your life, when you're studying and reading and just taking in the Bible in volumes and day after day and moment after moment, intensively letting the Holy Spirit use that in your life, that's the truth. And then when that false comes across, whoop, that's wrong. See, and now we don't have that anymore. That's not common anymore. You know what used to be common sense? That's a word should not be used anymore in our world. There is no such thing as common sense. It's uncommon. I'm getting louder, too, if you notice. I didn't mean to be. But all, this is all good stuff. What else could we say? Too busy. Too busy. Let's, let's unpack that one a little bit. Too busy and for what or why or how? Or... Okay, so in other words, too busy to really um, immerse yourself in being yeah. focused on God. Okay. All right, that's fair enough. What else? Oh, let, me, let me just put this. Too busy for God. Is that, we okay with that? And again, I think all of this overwhelming, like Ryan brought, these chirping of, the, you, know, you know, these phones making this, and there's another text. And I find myself the same way. What, what does your phone do when you get a text? Ding. What did that say? What did that say? You know, who cares? We do. What else? Excuse me? Okay, in what way? Okay, so in other words, no, uh, again, no foundation, right? Nothing to, to fall. Now, that's even right there now. When, when does someone, man, woman, or child, when does suicide become reality? I'm not saying, not, not happening yet, but I, this, now, it, now it's open to thought process. We have now opened, and again, I'm not talking about um, um, medical conditions where we have some, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about someone that is, is well, is normal, and when do suicide thoughts begin to start to, to digest? When is it? I've, 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 I've watched. No reality in their arena. 
There's, there's no realness to conversation anymore. See, email, there's another one. I mean, these are grown people. And again, email used in this form of, of moving facts back and forth. I'm fine with that. But don't talk to me with an email. Yeah. Right? I have watched sitting at a restaurant. There's two people across from one another. They are texting. Apparently not even to themselves. I mean, I, I don't know that, but you follow what I'm saying? So all actually, what Cindy has taken us to is really moved us. All of this stuff is kind of just making it worse. But now someone said over here, because when you get to the point where reality becomes too congested, too overwhelming, too busy, for, and, and no foundation. Now, again, if you have a house that the wind comes up and you know, have no foundation, it's done. Jesus talked about being built on a sand. There's a lot of foundationless homes and houses and lives right now because it's been washed away. It's gone. And then I think, I think what you said was, truly when you are without hope, when you're in a hopeless situation, anything is possible. Someone that has suicidal thoughts is hopeless. And what triggers that, I think... You guys have made a pretty good list here. I'm going to just say no foundation here. Okay, what else? Anything else? Anything burning? Ooh, quieted the group down. <laughs> just four? We've got like five, right? One more? No hope. No hope? Okay, let's, let's come back. Did you, did you, okay, what did you say? Sure it does. Hope no. is lost when you, uh, right. So so let's let's come back. Do you know what what are we answering? Do you, do you know what question you're answering? This is like Jeopardy in reverse. <laughs> do you know what what question would that I ask you that you're answering here? Exactly. I was afraid we'd lost the the focus on this a little bit. The question was this: What is the number one problem in Sheridan Twin Bridges, Montana? To the I'm gonna you could say the church because I will say this as a whole. Probably church attendance. Now, I'm just talking across the area, not here. I'm just talking across the area in, the, in where we're living, that church attendance today versus 10 years ago, I, I'm almost certain to say it's less now than it was then. Correct? I think that's a fair assumption. It is across America. There's no question about it. And compared to 30 years ago, okay? And again, I'm not necessarily... People, people stop attending not because they just stop attending. It's because it doesn't meet needs. They're not involved, right? Yeah. You know, you just, if, if, in other words, you know, you go to basketball games, why? Because you're connected. You go to church because you're connected. I'm sorry, too, anima, too much animation. I can't help it, though. It's just who I am, right? Somebody push that button. Boom, there we go. So we're asking, any more you want to add? What are the problems? I wanted to say rebellion. Rebellion? Okay, against who? Now, this is a this is a problem for Eric. Go ahead now. Yeah. Well, against the what's going on, I guess against the. Okay. Let, let me let me see if I can unpack that a little. I think I know where you're going, and you, you correct me if, if I'm wrong. At, at, originally, I thought about just the sense of rebellion within families. Okay. And I don't think that's probably nothing more than the symptom. Mm-hmm. 
because of the challenges that the young people are seeing it through a different lens. Okay, but that's okay. I'm not, say, I'm just not disputing that. But let me take something else. I would ab- absolutely say this. We are suffering from a rebellion in the sense of authority across this nation as I've never seen before. What we talk about, people that are elected honestly and officially, are looked at through an unbelievably cheap, low view, are treated maliciously. It's horrible. Exactly. Exactly. So here we are. We're on, this, we're on this curve, and we're just spiraling out of control. So in that vein, I would, I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to put that up there. I'm going to put that up there. Rebellion. In actually many forms. Anything else? So in other words, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to go ahead and just circle this. Right? You guys on board with that? Mm-hmm. I'm hugely on board with that. Hugely on board. You guys getting hot? It's getting warm up here. You want the air conditioning on? I'll just talk louder. That's not a problem for me. You all know that. There we go. It's 68. It'll be 68 in a second. Circling, yeah, yeah. How did they get? Let's let's talk about that for. Cindy brings up a great point. Remember that? That was things were going wrong, right? Weren't they? Now again, now think of this. Let's step out of that. When when God had a, a displayed His majestic power in a foreign country, of which they were dominating His people, and in nine plagues, I specifically said that in nine plagues. He took it out of them. And then the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, that was it. They couldn't get rid of them fast enough because, of course, those plagues had no effect whatsoever on God's people. Then they go to the Red Sea, and they're trapped. Two million people, plus or minus, trapped by the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are hot on their tail to take them out. And what did they say to Moses? What did you bring us here for? To die? Right? That would, that, how, what did it look like? It looked impossible. It looked impossible. What do you think it looked like when this nation was founded in 1774, 1775, right in there? When George Washington, under the... I mean, those poor men didn't have enough money for food or shoes. And that's what broke away from the most powerful nation in the world, Great Britain. And it looked hopeless. And just like that one, what, what, was, what was the one where under the veil of fog, under the veil of not just darkness, but a deep, dense fog, George Washington and his troops were able to just silently glide away to get away from them. And they were dead ducks. Well, it's almost, and I'm using that because I, to, to my way of thinking, it's about the same type of an analogy for what God did with this nation as he began it because they wanted to worship God. As the Egyptians were chasing the Israelites and they hit the Red Sea and Moses, what do you want me to do, God? I love that. That's what we as our congressional leaders, our senators at state level, at national level, what do you want me to do, God? And he would answer. Right now, they only care about themselves. It's another one we could put up here, isn't it? If you have self, you're going to have pride. Whoops. Did I, did I erase that? I can't do that. Oh, 
Overzealous. But here, I don't want to lose the moment of what Cindy brought up. Because now, they're in a, they're in a terrifying, impossible situation, and God miraculously parts the water. They go through on dry land. I would have liked to have been there. I just would want to just feel that moment, right? And they go through that. What do you think? Do you think there was high fives and do we have an awesome God or what? You know what? There's moments in your lives of what that was just, that was amazing. That was amazing. And the more difficult, the more challenging, the more impossible, the more amazing it looks. And they go through and it gets better. The Egyptians well, that's a little crazy, but no problem. We're going to chase right after them. <laughs> and they're done. They're gone. Drown. And they start traveling. What happens? Another problem? More whining. Nobody's going to say the whine word. We're not going to put... Is that not a big problem? Can I put it up there? I just want you to see it. See, this is what... <laughs> really close yeah right it, it's everywhere it's everywhere and, and the Egyptians really for four I'm sorry the Israelites for 40 years all they did was whine they really whined did they have things to whine about if if no, listen carefully if you look at yourself only there's always something to whine about give me the definition of humbleness or humility that's a word that we don't get much of what, what is that that's right. It's not thinking less of yourself because that's to me, is false humility. Listen carefully to this. I don't want to get strung up on this, but one of the things that's going on today, oh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just a loser. I'm just a complete failure. Just, and you don't, yeah, exactly. In fact, what they've done is they've actually made it a case for false pride in the fact they're still talking about themselves 24 hours a day. Now, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. It's about others. It's an others world deal. Now, I'm going to open that up for a moment. I would help in Sheridan, Montana. It would help in Twin Bridges. It would help in Washington, D.C. It would help in any city, any state, any village, anywhere in the world when we become an others-oriented mindset. In fact, one of the things that true seekers, um, have any of you guys here? Yeah, we've got a few in the back. Um, we're going, you know, because I'm interested, in, and they are too. That's what's really cool about this group. They're probably, what, 14, 15 to 32, something like that. Without, we're not age-oriented. We're, we're ideas-oriented. We're truth-seekers. I love that word, even though I, I came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That's what our whole life should be about, seeking truth. That's right, Alice. <laughs> but, but one of the things that we're looking into this with last week, we're going to see if we can't finalize it this week, was... What can we do for others? So we're going to adopt a highway. The truth seekers are, and I guess, I think there's more stuff being found out. Like you have to, you have to clean two miles in a designated area. So we're trying to figure out what, hi, oh, by the way, there's slots open. <laughs> right? But there's something about when you're doing stuff for somebody else, for another purpose, for another reason, other than just me, that God begins to change you. And he does a mighty work. You show, you show me someone that's interested in serving and sacrifice, I'll show you someone that is not hopeless 
I'll show you someone that has got foundations. It, it's really about it. But I, do you know I still haven't given you the word? And you can't believe that yet. <laughs> now, I'm here to give you some sense of faith. The word has been spoken. I just didn't acknowledge it. Okay? So that's, there's, there's fuel there. And we could add on to this. But I think you get the idea. And do you see why suicide is now so high in our young people? Excuse me? Um, does someone have your iPhone with you? I hate to use it. In a, go, just Google it. Just, just Google it. Just Google it. No, it's, it's good. For, we do this at True Seekers all the time. I want, I want my kids. See, I'm calling you my kids. I want my kids to be able to use information and you dig in and research. So somebody can do that. I, give, I just gave you an opportunity. If you pull your phones out, and it, but if you're doing anything else with that, it's not legal. Find out what age group is the highest suicide rate in Montana. What's that? Can't, can't get it here? I might know some. No, I'm kidding. You, you can't do any good with it? Okay. Laramie, see what you can find. Age group for the suicide rate in Montana that's the highest in the nation. I'm, I'm suspicious it's probably 18 to 30. If I was going to take a wet, I was going to take a guess there. Okay, let's move on. Somebody, somebody's working on that. So what are we going to do about this? See, that's what's bothering me. It's even like, you know, those six things we had up there of doing God's will. How many of us in this room right here would say, I'll tell you what, I got those six things and I am handling them very well. Thank you. Doing a really good job. None of you would. You'd say, no, there's another level. There's something else. Like I could get to another threshold. I could, it's almost like I think of it this way. When you're pulling yourself up and you see a whole new level you've never seen before. That's what the relationship with God is. See, and that's sanctification. 20 years ago, or however long you got saved, and, and, and what you thought you knew about God in that love relationship, as it continues to go day by day by day by day, and you become filled with the Spirit and you just keep moving on, every, every once in a while you get it. Oh, man, my God is so unbelievable. The last year in my life, I've been in rooms that I've never seen him working before, and it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. He is so awesome. And the tougher it is, the more awesome he is. Yes. But what is it that we're lacking? He, he wants to get, let's, let's go back to that for a second. Let's go back. And we're, then we're going to talk about two women that really, I think, did this very, very well. But that's okay. Just hold with me. So as, as uh, Jan Lee just brought us into, into place, here we have Jesus Christ in, that, in that, event, that event in Revelation chapter 3, Church of Laodicea. And he is knocking on the, he's obviously not knocking to get out of the church. He's knocking to get into the place that thinks he lives there. There are so many churches today that don't even have Jesus as any part of what they're up to. Isn't that sad? That's why, that, that's why I read that. Because that's very contemporary. And he says, if any man will open the door, I'm here. Isn't that great? He wants to come in. He, and the creator of the universe, and he wants to take time to knock on the door to come in to us. Now, a lot of people use that as a salvation verse. It really isn't. It's okay. Does Jesus want? Yeah, he certainly does. But this is, a, this is a sad statement in that Jesus, who is supposed to be in the church, that is supposed to be the church, literally. I mean, he's the, 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 the groom. Groomment. Okay, help me with that. 
He is the groom for the bride who is the church, and she doesn't even have him in the room. Ha! Huh. How did that happen? What happened? See, that's the word. How did we get here? Now, again, I'm back to the truth thing. The truth thing to me is just huge. But how did we lose our way on accepting absolute truth? What happened that we just literally... Now, we didn't just kick it out. We didn't kick truth out the door. We just opened the door long enough until we didn't know she left. Right? Why? How did that happen? How did that happen? Tolerance. What's the opposite of tolerance? I heard a couple things. <laughs> I love that. What's the opposite of hungry? Unhungry? No. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. Okay, but let's let's work with it. So we have tolerance, and that's and by the way, by the way, the ones that want us as Christians to be tolerant are the most intolerant. That's the only thing you can't be as a Christian. You can be anything else, but don't you dare be a Christian because you're a biased, you're a bigot, you're a racist, and everything else that goes on. It's this long list. Zoom. Why? Because Christianity is based on truth, and truth is bad. Am I too loud, obnoxious? Yeah. Amen. That's what Tony said. So there we go. I love it. Okay. Because we have no, we have no sense or foundation of what authority means. Well, how does God view authority? How are we to see? And it says it's God's will that you obey authorities. Until you reach to a level, the authorities say that it's not okay to worship or obey God. That's where you draw the line. Zip. Sorry, I'm out. But that, like last night, okay, we're coming home with a child, sausage chopping crew from Three Forks. It's 12:30 in the morning. I got Zach with me, and I've got Tony, and I got one headlight out of my suburban. Driving home. And, you know, I got, probably got that, what do they call that big concert they had at Three Forks? Uh, Rock in the Rivers or whatever it was, right? So I'm, I got no problem with, with extra troopers out there on the road. So we're coming from Three Forks to, uh, to Cardwell Hill. And, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm using my brights when I can. And when I got the dims, I'm driving careful. I'm driving 65 miles an hour on interstate. So I'm not driving too fast, okay? <laughs> Zing, ring, 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 here comes the lights and... Really? Okay, now here's what went wrong. It wasn't just my lights, which I knew about. <laughs> she pulls me over, and by the way, a very nice HP, very nice, very nice lady. And she said, Can I see your registration? Well, guess what? The registration was over May 31st. Excellent. Wow. This is excellent. And then I pull out my wallet and I look at my driver's license, and I, you know, my birthday was June 10th. <laughs> Strike three. But, but, here's, but here, here's where I get into I've actually made it funnier than well, because it wasn't very funny, really, you know. <laughs> Zach digging through the dark to try to find a registration in this glove box. And it's just, you know, it's just stuff. How he found it is a miracle. Let alone it was outdated. And he says, is this? I said, Zach, that's as close as we're going to get. I guarantee you. And my license, hey, ma'am, I said, I really actually thank you, because who knows? I'm going to miss that bugger. You know what I mean? And you get over 30 days. It's painful. It's painful. <laughs> Okay, so all of that, I'm, let's cut all through that for a moment. It's still really important for me 
because I need to obey the authority that was vested in that trooper because she has the authority to pull me over. She has the authority and thankfully just gave me homework. That was her, that was her words. <laughs> Mr. Melhoff, I'm giving you some homework. That was a new one. I've only heard fines, tickets. <laughs> but, she would, but, but the point of the matter was, is I was very respectful. And she could look at us and she said, she said this. You know, she's got her flashlight. You know how that is, you know. You feel a little bit. She says, ooh, long day, huh, guys? <laughs> we must have looked, oh, not really. <laughs> But, but all of this said is I was very respectful to her. I gave her what she wanted. I did not argue with her because everything that I had, that she had, you know, obviously the, she said, you have a, you have a light. Now I could have said something like, uh, she said, uh, she said, Mr. Melhoff, you, you have a, you have a, a headlight out. Really? No, <laughs> no. I knew it. She knew it, but it's okay. Now, do you see what I'm saying? That there's a sense of respect for authority. And she, by the way, she responded, I mean, it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. Not because she didn't give me a ticket. She was very, she just, she got done what she needed to get done. She gave me homework. I've never heard that term before. And thankfully, you know what? I can turn around and say, you know what? There was, there was a positive in all of that. I'm going to have to go deal with that driver's license that I would have put back in my wallet a hundred times from now till then without looking at expiration date. They actually should be just one year. It would be good for me. Because if you have them five, seven years, you know what happens to me? I don't even look at those bad boys. And the picture does not get better over the time. <laughs> okay, we got a little bit off track. But see, all of that's coming to the fact we no longer have the sense of um, respect because we do not respect the ultimate authority. Because now what we've made the ultimate supreme being in the universe, and there's eight billion of them, and it's that. Self, 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 self. And that's why we have so many selfies Right? Everything's surrounding self. You can build a selfie stick so you can take a better picture of yourself. Okay, I'm way out over. But, but, you, but that's really what's going on. And I'm, I'm wondering what's happened. How did we get there? What happened? What was in the Israelite deal? What, what happened to the Israelites where, you know, you start to see the level of compromise? You know, they, they were asked, do not intermarry with anyone. This is, you are my chosen people. And I'm going to show the world what I can do through you, and I want you to stay blank. But they chose to compromise. Have you seen any compromise in the United States of America? No. What happens when compromise enters the room? You give an inch, they take a mile. Almost, I'm going to say, almost anything can happen once you open the box to compromise. Then it's just a matter of how fast and how far. If you're open to compromise, now again, I'm not talking in the sense of, for instance, if you're dealing with another nation, you are our leader, for instance, our president or whatever, there's senses of give and takes along that line. But when you're talking about the senses of truth, and I'm talking biblical, absolute truth, there is no compromise. As soon as we compromise, we've lost our way. And we have lost, and, and this church, really, you have to say that apathy, that word has been used here, the sense of I can't, I, I don't even care anymore, right? And that's what's happened. That's why suicide, I, I can't handle it. I, I don't want to know anymore. I don't I want to see it. I can't, I can't handle it, right? And, I, and that, that's what's happening. I, I still say that's why 
illicit drugs are on an all-time high. They're not going to go down, folks, because that takes you out of reality. And right now, people don't want to see what we call as reality because it's truthless. And reality with truth is worthless. Why, I'm way too loud. This is the deal, though, isn't it? And this is what we need to be doing. It's the same term that we would use. I had those six things down here. Get saved. Be filled with the Spirit. Sanctified. Submissive. Suffering for Jesus. And being thankful. See, thankfulness. When's the last time you went to a thankful meeting where people actually were thankful for the things we had? I'll tell you what. In America, years gone by, people were thankful. If you went through the dirty 30s and you got out of that one, you were thankful for what you had. Right? And some of our older people in here, they know. They went through that. We've had it good for too long. We've, lost, we've ceased to be thankful. Thanksgiving is called Turkey Day, Football Day. What happened? That, that celebration was actually set up from when those pilgrims landed, and not 50% of them made it through the first winter. And the next year, they were thankful for what God had provided for them. Do you see what I'm saying? No. We, we, we just, again, we're back to truth. And this, this, is, this is a recurring issue. We need to get back to real truth. You have to have it. So how do we get there? Go ahead. That's right. And we're actually, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. That, that is really where we are as a nation. We're actually under the judgment of God right now. And let's go to Romans chapter 1, because that's literally telling us what's taken place because we've thrown truth out. Okay? Now, at the same time, now, now be careful to hear this. Just because God is judging us as a nation does not mean that we can't do the right thing just in a, and, and get his, uh, I'm going to say this, his mercy to come back to us. And I'll give you a perfect example. Here's Jonah. Remember Uncle Jonah? Hey, Jonah, this is God. I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, and I want you to preach against it. I'm going to Joppa. Went in the opposite direction, 900 miles, gets in the bottom of a boat. God says, you don't know me yet, do you? Brings this wicked storm. I mean, the, the sailors, this isn't their first barbecue on the, on the ship, right? And they said, this is crazy. We're going to lose our life. They start throwing stuff off board. He's still sleeping. And they said, pray to your God. And he's smart enough to know, I'm the problem. Just throw me overboard. And they said, no, 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 we don't want to do that. No, throw me overboard and your problems are, are over. Throw him overboard, storm's over. Now that must have, there is a God. Those pen probably got saved because of that ordeal. Whale, fish, swallows him, takes him over to sea, throws him up. God says, Jonah, buddy old pal, I want you to go to Nineveh. You're right. So he goes to Nineveh. He decries against it, and Nineveh is the most wicked place on the face of the earth. And they heed the call. From the king down. The animals are even described as being in sackcloth. I don't know how animals mourn, but if they saw their owners not giving them any feed, 
we're mournful. I, I'm not trying to be light, but you see what I'm saying? That was a very, and you know what? God relented. And Jonah was mad. But I'm going to say that I'm using that because just as right, if we in America started to do things the right way and were blank, it could be good. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, though, because I think we really find ourselves right here because we've thrown truth out. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. How are we doing for time? Oh, we're good. Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> we'll start in verse 16, though, because this is, this is ultimately, if you're going to take the book of Romans, which is so rich, it would take you, it takes a long, we went through it one time, and it took us, I don't know, a long, long time. And verse 16 and 17 is the theme. It says this, For I, Paul writing, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. That was the verse that really um, Martin Luther got a hold of. He, his knees were so calloused from just doing all of the penances, all of the crawling, you know, upstairs and downstairs. He was as, what do I want to say, as religious as any person possible. And he was empty. He was empty. And he got a hold of that verse. The just shall live by faith. That's exactly what Abram did. Isn't that crazy? That's, but let's keep going now. Watch. He, he unfolds it now in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. You could put in parenthesis, America. Because that, may, that which may be known of God is manifest or shown in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. When every time you look at this beauty and you start, you start analyzing what creation is and the, and the, the magnificence of... I mean, just the differences. You th- for me, one of the most powerful arguments for a creative designing God is the fact that if you start to look at these real laws that are in place, for instance, the difference between the gravitational force and the intercell or the intermolecular force that holds protons and neutrons together... That atom, that, oh, those forces, if that was in any way just the tiniest bit different, I'm just talking about the difference, we would explode. If we were 93 million, we're 93 million miles from the sun, if you were 1 million miles closer, which doesn't seem like that, if you were half a million miles, you would totally, totally burn up or be too cold. Why does this planet have H2O? You, you go on and on and on and on, and all of those things reveal what? They reveal a perfect awesome creator now let's watch what goes they're not there's no excuse verse 21 because that when we knew when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible god into an image made like to corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That is where we are. Why? Because we're not thankful. We know from the unthankfulness that that's telling us where we've come from for sure. And how do you make an unthankful person thankful? It's got, you're going to have to get their attention, right? Because to tell someone, you know, you just need to be thankful. 
they roll their eyes and go on, right? Somehow this overzealous adoration with self has to be broken. That's when thankfulness comes. Oh. Yeah, that's why you can take a nation today that's under a sense of, of uh, religious persecution. I mean, you know, literally your family disowns you. You're, you, you know, you could be shot, you could be killed, maimed, whatever it is, for, the, for your beliefs. Those, are where the, those countries are where the church is, is booming because suffering has literally taken them into un, unimaginable heights because they hold the truth. They hold the truth. Truth, truth, truth. And you still want, where is that word? You're driving me crazy, right? Because it's the same. I want to take, there's, there's two women, uh, and we'll just talk about them because our time is slipping away. Ruth and Esther. Those two books are really interesting. Uh, in the book of Ruth, God's name is mentioned a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And if you go, you can do this do it for your homework. Um, you can go home tonight and you can take the book of Esther and you take it apart and you look for one word where God, Lord, you won't find it. But you know what? His sovereignty is everywhere. Isn't it rich? Haman, he thought he had the world by the tail. He was a lot about Haman, wasn't he? You know, a lot of self. He lost. He lost. But I want you to think about these two women now. Okay? Think of Ruth for a moment. Chapter 1 of Ruth. Let's just think about that. Is she, is she an Israelite? Is she a Jew? No. She's a foreigner. In fact, um, her husband was from a family that left under a really bad time, a famine, and she becomes married to this Israelite man, and he dies. She's never been to Israel, unless he took a trip for Christmas or something. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, she had no reason to go Anywhere but stay right where she was at. She was a widowed foreigner. Yeah, a a, a Moabite, a foreigner. And her mother-in-law is even, says, Ruth. In fact, let's go. Let's just go. Chapter 1 of Ruth. Let's go there. Because I want you to see there's something here taking a difficult situation. There's something that displays itself that I think is very rich. Okay, I'm going to wrestle to find Ruth, apparently. There we go. There we go. Okay, so let's go to chapter 1, and we're going to have to, we're going to, we're going to tie in the middle of this. Um, let's start in verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters, and this is speaking of Naomi. She and Naomi rose with her daughters-in-law. Now, again, she had two sons, Malon and Chilion. Both of them died. Now she has these two uh, um, daughter-in-laws, and they're going away. You know, think of that for a moment in that land. A mother and her two daughter-in-laws. How lucrative is that? They're looking for survival right now. Okay, let's keep going. Then she arose with her with her daughter-in-laws that, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. They're trying to survive. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughter-in-laws with her. They went on their way to return unto the land of Judah. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go and return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. In other words, you have been a very, very good daughter-in-law, and I thank you. But right now, we need to use our head. You need to go back to your, to your family's place. I mean, just use your head right now. Go back to your family's place. 
The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them. They lifted up their voice and wept. You can see the emotion. You can feel the trauma of all of this going on. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto your people. Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have a hope, if I should have had a husband also tonight, should she bear sons? Will you tarry with them until they were grown? Would you stay with them having husbands? There's no, no, there's no future. That's what she's trying to say. There's no future here. Just go home. For it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now, now Naomi, as you'll find, she's, she's carrying bitterness. They lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you. Allow me not to leave you or return from following after you. For whither you go, where you go, I'm going to go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. My people shall be, thy people will be my people and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, I will die. There I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if aught but death part you and me. And now you know the rest of the book of Ruth. But when you start out that way, with that much commitment, that's the word. And yes, you did say it, and I didn't recognize it because I wasn't ready. (laughs) Commitment. That is amazing, the commitment of this young woman. And commitment is what we need in America. Esther, let's take her for a moment. Esther. I I don't have time to unpack that whole story, but here's a Jewess that's in a foreign country. And through the act of God, she becomes the new queen. There's a whole lot of details around them. And then all of a sudden, Haman, what was the other guy's name? Um, Mordecai, Mordecai, right? That was was, uh, Esther's uncle, okay? And Haman could not stand the fact that Mordecai is the only flea-bitten varmint that wouldn't bow down to him. And he's going to have his head. He's going to have his life. He went to a great extent to do that. And all of a sudden, it gets bigger. It gets bolder. It goes outside. Now, why do you think Mordecai did not bow down to Haman? Because you don't bow down to anyone other than God. He was standing firm. He was committed to doing the right thing. And he says to Esther, I think you're in that place for a time such as this. And he says, don't you try to hide. Because, now think of it, Esther could have slipped back in behind the curtain of being the queen of the land, right? She's in good relationship with the king. There's no, and who would find out she's a Jewess? Right? Do you see what I'm saying? This is what's happened. That's actually what happened in Nazi Germany. It's somebody else's problem. It's somebody else's problem. It's somebody else's problem. And you know what happened? They picked them off one at a time. That's what's happening in America. Truth has been laid out one at a time because of the apathetic approach and the lack of, non, of the non-commitment among God's people and about fear, liberty-driven citizens. We need commitment. And you know what Esther did? She rose to the occasion. She was thinking. She was progressive in the form of, I mean, thinking ahead. And God used her in a mighty way. Because she was committed to the level of even forfeiting her life. She said, I I want you to know, uncle, if I go in to the king without being called, it's a 50-50 chance. 
if he doesn't put out his scepter tomorrow for me, I'm done. Now, to me, I'm just thinking, how can you look at the most beautiful woman in the kingdom and say, no, I don't want to see you. Away with you. Of course not. But you know what? She was fearful because that's what happened. And she said, pray for me. Did you see that? Let, 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 you can, I can tell. Let's, let's go to Esther for a moment. Let's go to Esther. Let's watch this in action. Um, if you find Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, okay? And I'm going to have to find, I didn't look this up quite as well, so let's go to, um, where does it say, for such a time as this? Mordecai said it. Was it four? I think it's like, um, there we go, yeah, thank you. Uh, chapter four, and let's look at verses 13 and 14. Now, this whole plot of Haman to destroy the Jews has come into place. And he is, he's going, he's telling Esther this. Mordecai commanded to answer to Esther, verse 13, chapter 4, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the, in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Men and women, as you are in this room today, I'm convinced that God has you in this place at this time for something that's going on in our world today. It's not accident that your name is still going on in the year 2019. God has a purpose. He has a reason. And he wants you to be committed to his purpose. And he will give you all the strength you need for whatever situation arises. Our country is in desperate need of Jesus Christ. He is in desperate need of men and women, Christians that are rising up to the case and saying, if you can use me, God, I'm here for you. I'm committed to doing the right thing. You won't believe what God can do when you're on that page. You, I show you one woman, one young girl in that kingdom, and the whole nation was changed because she was committed to giving her life for God. That's what I'm talking about when I say commitment. Commitment is not something that, well, I could... I might, I can. No, he wants to hear, I will. I will. And with God in you, that's a majority. That's what he wants. He wants men and women to stand firm on the foundation of truth, his word, his truth, with the spirit filling you. And literally, that commitment will change not only you, it will change a nation and a people around you. And I can't think of anything more than we need than that. And the Bible is full of those examples, isn't it? I looked at two women today. I mean, Ruth, if, if, if you're going to do a spotlight, you know, this, this is national news, world news. Let's see, we're looking for something that's going to impact the world. Uh, Ruth, oh, let's, let's interview Ruth. She wouldn't even know when. She's, what, the grandmother, great-grandmother of David, the king that was... A man after God's own heart? Think of that. How would, how would our lives be if David hadn't come on the scene? In fact, let's go to Psalm chapter 37, verse 5. Oops, got to have my glasses. Psalm chapter 37. It's a psalm of David. Verse 5. This is our verse. 
David said, verse 5, chapter 37, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Jesus Christ coming from the line of David. Ruth being that one that instigated. I mean, you know, obviously there was descendants before her, but do you, do you understand what I'm saying? This woman, this Ruth, this one that was committed to doing God's way in an impossible situation, literally changes the course of history. I think it's awesome. And you know what? I'm here to say, your name may not be Esther. It may not be Ruth. It doesn't matter. When you're committed to God's way and his truth, he will use you in ways you won't be able to believe. You may not even see it. But I'm here to say, it'll happen. Because that's I, I look at that Bible and all of those men and women that were committed to God, committed to following his will, committed to doing the things that he has laid out. Situations change. People change. Cities change. Towns change. Nations change. The abhorrent practices that are going on in our country now under law, the only way that will be changed, standing firm on God's truth, calling life what life is, calling God's word what it is, standing firm for truth when there's especially falsehood are there. That's how it changes. Commitment. That's the charge. That's the charge. To God be glory. Great things he has done. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you that Jesus Christ came, ruled, and reigned in death. Because when he issued those three words, it is finished, that was the end of the beginning. He had conquered the penalty of sin. He had taken away the things that had challenged humans ever since the sin in the garden. Father, he will come back again. He is sitting at the right hand of God today, acting in our behalf as an advocate to those that are his, that have come to him in faith. One day he will come back as ruling as reign and uh, ruling as king. He will come again. What a precious day. That's a day I'm looking forward to, to see my king, my savior, my God. And it will happen because it's been stated to be done. God's word will not go void, will not go without being fulfilled. Father, it's my prayer right now for these that are in this room and beyond. Anyone that's in Jesus Christ, this, the, the requi- I shouldn't even say the requirements, the desire is to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. But for this group today that has heard from you, that is interested, Father, in following after your will, I would ask that you would give them the courage, that you'd give them the strength and the commitment to put on the whole armor of God. We, we live in dangerous days. We live in truthless time. Father, may you rise above it all, for nothing's impossible with you. With those situations of which there may be just one of these in a room, in a place, in a car, on a street, in a store, and one person at a time, Father, with you and truth, there can be change. There can be change. Life can restore to the sense of being based upon realness. Father, take the distractions and may they sort it out. May we look to you with trust for all that we are. Father, there may be someone here today that has a burden that's so deep, so, so overpowering, so overwhelming that they're not even able to state it. They're not able to, to, to even mention it. And Father, that person today needs your help. They need to know that you're big enough, that you're strong enough, that you can take it, that you can 
you're awesome and powerful enough to be able to take it away. But Father, we would ask that you'd especially work with that person at the very depths of their heart, as bad as it may be, you're greater than all. Father, we just ask as you use us in what we're about to do for this coming week, we want to honor you, we want to glorify you, we want to give you all of the praise and honor for you alone are worthy of that. May the word be established in our hearts and our minds. Thank you for what you're doing and for these moments that we've had in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen.